Hi everyone, this is Working Title, the podcast where we, four intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers, watch and review IMDb's top 250 English language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us, and... The Fitness Gram Pacer Test is a multi-stage aerobic capacity test that progressively gets more difficult as it continues. The 20-meter pacer test will begin in 30 seconds. Line up at the start. The running speed starts slowly, but gets faster each minute after you hear this signal. All right, well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Working Title, the podcast where we talk about uh, the 250 best English language movies as rated by the good people of IMDb. Um, And this week, we are kind of changing gears, talking about... um, uh, almost a pseudo-documentary, uh, Oliver Stone's JFK, uh, made in 1991. Um, have it, It's strange to describe it. It's not exactly fictionalized. It, it, it's definitely not uh, a work of fiction. Um, it's dramatized. Uh, it's definitely uh, displayed as a political thriller. And it's about um, the New Orleans District Attorney, Jim Garrison, who believes he has uh, uncovered the truth about the JFK assassination and uh, pursues it doggedly, uh, trying to figure out uh, what really happened with the JFK assassination. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think we'll have a lot to say about this one. (laughs) But before we start saying it and before we talk about what happens in this movie, let's introduce the reviewers in the studio. And to kind of introduce yourself, if you had to make a movie... uh, about the uncovering of a vast conspiracy uh, with one one actor or actress who who knows the truth. Uh, what conspiracy would would this uh, would your movie be about, and who would you cast to play the lead role? I'll go first. My name's Jack, and I would make a film that explores the hidden side, the the shadowy web of Deflate Gate, with the. Uh, <laughs> New England Patriots <laughs> deflating their footballs, and uh, the man who who sees the truth, who uncovers it all, would be Patrick Stewart. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Why Patrick Stewart? Uh, because he has more gravitas than any other actor I could think of. Classically trained. So then he came in and squeezed the balls wicked hard. <laughs> Exactly. I can't double down and like say Owen Wilson. Oh man. Oh, I forgot about Deflate Gate. But if you anyone all did. Get, if anyone could get to the bottom of it, it's Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Apparently. All right, Mike. What's your conspiracy movie? My conspiracy movie would be um, it would take place in Wuhan. The main character would be um, the guy Short Round from oh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> Still as a kid, right? Um, and it'd be about him discovering a secret plot in a underground facility where he free Willy Styles releases a bat into uh, back to nature. <laughs> Jesus! Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Oh man! Oh, oh my god! Oh. <laughs> Shane oh had to boy. leave the room. Oh my god! I just—that's right. amazing. I just, Mister Jones, the bat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whew. Whose turn? 
Your turn. Okay. I had a few, but I'm going to go with this one. And it's um, it's going to be like uh, Joe Pesci discovers the lunar, land- the lunar landing wasn't real. <laughs> okay. I, I can dig it. Yeah. I, I mean, Joe, I don't know Joe Pesci just makes everything. Yeah, I just I just picture him being like my cousin Vinny style. Where he accidentally stumbles onto the set. Yeah. I, I exactly. feel like this is only a, a couple degrees removed from this movie. It's like or he same has time a cousin period. that like does like adult films that was part of the lunar landing filming. Oh, they they double booked the soundstage. Yeah, it's kinda of like a true romance kind of thing. <laughs> All right, Jim, right. what's yours? So my conspiracy would be the death of Tupac. Mm, and uh, Tupac would be obviously played by Demetrius Ship Jr., who played Tupac in All Eyes on Me in 2017. But the man that discovers the, the truth obviously needs to be educated, uh, ideally with a PhD. So it's going to be Dr. Dre, played by Dr. Dre. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I like this film. I thought you were going to say Meryl Streep discovers it, but <laughs> <laughs> but I like Dr. Dre better in that role. Does Meryl Streep have a PhD? In winning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, what's this movie shit, about? I didn't, I didn't say what conspiracy my conspiracy was, but I think we all I, assume. I think we got it. <laughs> yeah. If anyone can get to the bottom of it, short round. <laughs> All right. Um, let's let's dive deep into this madness. Okay, so yeah, let's uh let's get into the Costner thon. Um, <laughs> so this movie was 188 minutes. There's an even longer director's cut, but we didn't want to watch another 20 minutes of Kevin Costner. Um, not after Dances with Wolves. Uh whew. So I think we all know the the story, you know, the the history of the JFK assassination uh, and not the Zoolander edition where it was all male models. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the the accepted truth of it being that Lee Harvey Oswald acted as a, a lone gunman and uh, uh, shot JFK from the Dallas Book Depository while he was in a parade. Right. Uh, this movie kind of posits that that is not the truth. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was not the killer, and there was something much deeper going on. But before we get into that, I'll, I'll hand it over to Mike to to kind of talk us through what happens in this movie. I think you you pretty much summed it up right there. Good job. <laughs> three, three hours done. Um, this movie starts out as you said in uh, it's in Louisiana or New Orleans. Sorry. And um, Cosner's character, Jim Garrison, he it it's him kind of trying to start to piece together how New Orleans had a connection to the JFK assassination. He's the uh, the district attorney of New Orleans. And the beginning, it's mostly just a documentary with uh, horrible accents and bad acting <laughs> that take place throughout the rest of the film. Uh, the investigation he begins is after, you know, it's three years after Kennedy died. And... Um, He's starting to kind of, like you said, put together the pieces about what happened, who was involved. Was it Oswald or was it other people who were kind of, or, you know, um, associated with him and, and Castro and a bunch of other people? And eventually leads up to the point where he starts to put together this case piece by piece and it starts to kind of untangle itself. 
at first his accent was rough, but it grew yeah. on me. Like Did I didn't it? notice it too much by the end, but at the beginning it was very off-putting. I don't think it grew on you as much as he ended up losing it halfway through the film. At the very beginning, it was really strong. And then by the end of it, he gave up on it himself. That's pretty indicative of Costner, I think. Yeah. I, I thought he just sounded like Kevin Costner. <laughs> so I thought going into this, this is the first time watching this, uh, based on like the cover of the film, I thought uh, Costner was playing JFK. Yes. And I was like, that was a terrible casting choice. So I was kind of relieved to find that he was not. And the, uh, all the footage of JFK, they actually used JFK. Wow. Is he credited? I don't know how they got him to agree to that. No, he's dead, June. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, the opening scene, I, the, the movie switched identities real quick. Because it started as if it was a real documentary with the narrator... Yeah. And like, you know, they on whatever October, you know, all this shit and so forth. And I don't think it was necessary. I think we could have cut all of that. Like we get it, you know? Mm-hmm. This came out thirty years ago. <clears throat> yeah, what was it? Ninety uh, ninety one. Ninety one. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say this movie above pretty much any that we've seen so far, I think had the most message it was trying to deliver, obviously. But we haven't watched a film where, like, its message was very clear from the beginning. You know what I mean? You're telling me Ratatouille didn't have a message? <laughs> what, what was the message <laughs> of this that was clear out. at the beginning, Shane? Um, that the military-industrial complex killed Kennedy, obviously. Oh, okay, yeah, that was pretty clear from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> the whole speech by Eisenhower, Eisenhower told us. <laughs> they tipped their hand. Um, <laughs> I want to note... I just want to say, first off, that love this soundtrack. John Williams is always awesome. This yeah. was the soundtrack was just one song, but it was great. <laughs> Hell of a song. <laughs> yeah. This is this. I think this is our first John Williams tracked film as well. Was was it? I thought. John, oh no, John Williams did um, the adaptation for uh, uh, "If I Was a Wealthy Man." Fiddler. Fiddler, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. that wasn't a John Williams original. No, but it was also good music. Um, but yeah, uh, right, I, I can reset this a little bit because now I'm. I split this up between two days, so I kind of forgot what happened in the first hour of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, which so, is honestly fine. Yeah, yeah. it's true. <laughs> as as you're saying at the beginning of this film, it really was documentary, kind of leading up to Kennedy's death, and then after that, it takes place three years later, where Garrison. Um, after he reads uh, the Warren report, notices that there's a bunch of inaccuracies within there. So that's where he kind of starts to investigate and go further into that um, as a district attorney in New Orleans. And a lot of the stuff that's inaccurate, and I guess he has kind of jurisdiction, is in New Orleans, where he, um, you know, starts looking into people like uh, David, uh, was was his last name, Ferry? Uh, yeah, Ferry. Yeah. Joe Pesci. Yeah, Joe Pesci, who was forced uh, to let the, the investors go kind of like public with some of the stuff, information they had. He was a big kind of turning point for them. Uh, but during throughout this whole thing, and as it gets more unraveled and revealed, uh, more of the suspects, uh, like as Oswald was killed when he was on his way to trial, start to kind of like say that they're under duress and that they're they're scared for their own lives. So Garrison 
makes a team uh, of some of the like you know kind of the crack district attorney and some lawyers and investigators and starts to kind of take it upon himself to find out the truth behind um, the real uh, group of people who are behind the assassination of Kennedy. That um, really gets uh, the big tipping point. Besides Ferry is the 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 witness Willie O'Keefe, who uh, he's serving prison sentence uh, for soliciting. And he reveals that um, there was a talk of a, a coup d'etat uh, in the U.S. government for, you know, because Kennedy was talking about trying to pull out of uh, Vietnam during the time. A lot of historical facts in this, and that was defined with as far as this movie goes, and, and I, interesting in that sense, but a lot of filler when it comes to the background behind people. You, you would think a movie that has such an A-list cast of people would have better acting than what ended up coming out of this this movie. Um, so up to this point, he's interviewed a bunch of people. And as far as like the plot goes with this, it's really just him kind of uncovering this conspiracy theory. So we're, we're, right now, he's gotten to the point where he's starting to get some solid ground um, with with this prisoner, Willie or O'Keefe in prison. And he brings to light this this man called Clay uh, uh, Bertrand, which is that's kind of like his alias that he was going by during this coup d'etat and the talks that they were having in Cuba back and forth. Oswald, as we know um, from history, was involved with Russia and is claimed to have been a part of the CIA. And this other man, Clay, um, also is thought to be a part of some kind of CIA conspiracy to kill Kennedy. So the big case in this film is Garrison's trying to get Clay to court so that he can expose the the lies and the secrets that the CIA are, are covering up. Uh, Clay, who ends up becoming a you know revealed as this businessman later on, who is um, doesn't go by the last name um, Bertrand. He's a what's his real last name? Clay Shaw. Yeah, Shaw. So Shaw, Clay Shaw, is this big businessman, um, assumed to be uh, have homosexual activities, especially because the the man who says that. You know, he was involved with this coup d'etat. Willie O'Keefe is it was a, a homosexual man as well and an open man about it. Well, I mean, he, he was a prostitute. Um, <laughs> and point of yeah. order, I think the acting was excellent. Yeah, I wanted to say film. the same thing. Like my my faults with this movie weren't with the acting, but just that I mean, Costner accepted um, yeah. <laughs> just and even Costner, I don't, he wasn't like abysmal. He's no. just Kevin Costner. Um, the uh, yeah, I, I felt like the acting was good. This is an extremely solid cast, but it, it kind of felt like the the movie was just a little hollow. Yeah, I think actor wise, like, I mean, I had no idea the like. This takes All Star to a whole new level. Yeah, you know, like Costner, obviously Gary Oldman, uh, fucking Joe Pesci, Tommy Lee. Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones. Jones, John Candy, yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald Sutherland, yeah, Newman, Newman. Yeah. <laughs> yep, no, Newman. It was a stellar cast. I so I I was gonna wait until the trivia portion for this, but um, Tommy Lee Jones got the nomination for best supporting actor. And I don't think he was the highlight. Like, what did he do? I can't think of any scenes that stuck out to me as like a brilliant display yeah, of that, acting. Yeah, like he stole. 
Yeah, I agree. Yes. I can't think of I can't think of any scenes in this entire film that stuck out as good acting. So, so the one <laughs> the one scene that I did pick out was uh, Joe Pesci. Uh, mm-hmm. r- right before uh, David Ferry's death, he goes on this like kind of I, I don't know I don't know what to call it like he freaks out tirade. Yeah, and he has he has this giant rant that was like super well acted. I thought that was more deserving of a uh, of a best supporting actor than uh, I think. I think the part that lost me as far as the acting goes in this film is when they're when they're first having their kind of round table and talking about the case and they haven't really gone anywhere yet with it. They're 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 abysmal southern lawyer talk just drove me up the fucking wall. I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> just the back and forth of I'm I'm. You all know what I'm talking about. We already well, talked we about this. Well, we know how you party. feel about lawyers, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know. So that's another thing. I, I guess maybe I wasn't paying attention very much at the beginning of this film. I did not understand who the hell um, Garrison was to begin with. Like, I just thought he was just, like, some random guy who, like, stumbled upon the Kennedy uh, papers of the Warren Report and decided to take it under his own investigation. I, I didn't even put together that he was the district attorney. No, he wasn't like yeah. Jimmy Stewart. In this sense, his uh, establishing scene didn't really cover that very much. Yeah, um, I agree. Though, on the note of casting trivia, um, the actual Jim Garrison played uh, Earl Warren, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Oh, I bet he loved doing that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like, I mean, I don't know if it's the strongest performance, but I feel like Gary Oldman really disappeared into Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, uh, yeah. He didn't have a ton to work with as Lee Harvey, but I, he did a solid job. I don't know. I mean, I I don't even know if it was a, a question of not having much to work with, but I feel like he he did a really good job playing someone who was kind of neurotic, um, kind of out there, uh, but also like intelligent. I, I was pretty impressed by that. I was just happy to see Dale die. Ah, yes, I knew that was Dale Dye. Uh, General Y? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, my so, issue... Oh, okay, sorry, go, go ahead, Drew. No, no, you go ahead. Okay, I'll go ahead. Okay, you go so, ahead. <laughs> is this film, the best part of it is probably the last 25 minutes, 35, the, the, obviously the courtroom scene where he draws everything out. Not that I didn't like everything else, but everything is so confusing up to that point. And even then, if you ask me to kind of draw the web out, I can't. I just go, you're right. The CIA killed him. My God, we're living at a coup. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, that, that's a good segue into what I was going to say. Um, we, we've, we've pretty much covered the first hour of this movie in uh-huh. Mike's uh, recap. So it, 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 it was just like Shane said. It was kind of confusing. He's going through a lot of investigation but then also just not no investigation. Like he kind of gives up until like something sparks it again and whatever. It's just all over the place. But what happens at almost the exact two hour mark is he interviews um, Donald Sutherland's character who is yeah. uh, cast as X. He is he's, supposed to be some... to Washington by this guy. Yeah. So he's, you know, Donald Sutherland's character calls him up and pretty much tells him fucking everything like yeah literally piece by piece like this is what happens and this is what you should look into like you could have started the movie with that scene and cut out the entire first first hour hour. 
percent. It was almost like halfway through filming, there were somebody was like, I, I don't even know where we're at in the script. Like, get Donald Sutherland here. He's just gonna explain it all real quick. So and the then we'll Cubans, keep going. and then the, 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 but, but the Cubans so, didn't do it. Well, no, they could have done it. But okay. Yeah, I guess so, this, is okay. a, this is the controversy with this film for me, and this is the reason why I've been talking uh, negatively so far about it, is the fact that this is made a movie about a conspiracy theory, right? we all in agreement that conspiracy theories have loopholes, and they have things that don't add up, and it comes really down to your personal opinion sometimes. Obviously, there are facts out there, and we don't know about them. Uh, but as far as what is going to be released in eight years from now, we'll talk yeah. about it differently. <laughs> but for now, um, as far as the Kennedy conspiracy goes, uh, I've seen the, a lot of opinions about it and this is the first time I've seen this film and this is the point where X shows up where they did bring you back on track with this film but what they didn't do is give you what was happening in the beginning of the film of like make your own opinion kind of put it together yourself nope this guy shows up and says this fucking shit's happening and this is where it lost me because I don't personally think some of this stuff was happening as well as other things were happening in this film and I'm just saying when the <laughs> film lost me is when it explained to me that it has to do with corporations, government, and money, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, right then, it be it became no longer a film of enticement. It became a film of shoving it down my, my throat and forcing me to be unbelievable conspiracy theory kind of bullshit that comes with conspiracy theories as a... Um, you know, inherent Man, problem. I, I think that, that I think scene I where Mr. X pulled out a salt shaker. <laughs> Mike, I think I see what you're saying. Um, I, I agree to an extent. I think they combined every single conspiracy theory involving this situation into one. It, it was almost like mm. they didn't pick a track of, you know, the grassy knoll or, or so forth. It was like, yeah, just like you said, like government corporations and, Right. And all this yeah. shit. Later in the film, yeah. and I'll explain in the plot when they get to the point where Shane was talking about, the best part of the film, the last 30 minutes, when they're in the courtroom and they're going through the evidence. Fantastic. Loved it. Great. It was great to hear that kind of laid out. And then fucking Cosner ruins it at the end by going on like, <laughs> I think he lost the court like at the like the last five minutes of that. Yes. Yes. Of his speech uh, yeah. and just loses <laughs> everybody because he starts bringing his own. He brings in Mr. X again. Yeah. I got. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have something to say about that when we get there. You should just do the rest of the plot. I want to. Yeah. I want to say a little bit first. So I, I, I do agree, Mike. That like, so okay. So th this is my take on it, right? Where, um, okay. So there, there's an open question in my mind as to whether this movie is espousing and advocating this idea of this conspiracy, or whether it's narrating the story of a lawyer who gets lost in this conspiracy, right? Fair enough. Mm. And, and I thought the same thing, that this is a story about Garrison. I kept having to remind myself, this is not the Kennedy conspiracy. This is a narrative about this man, Garrison. But it, it's, it could go either way, I think. But anyway, so I, I feel like there's this, this thing going on, and it's almost like the anti-Dances with Wolves, where with Dances with Wolves, <laughs> we spent like 20 minutes watching Buffalo Run. Here, we're just like drinking from the fire hose of just random witnesses saying, like, oh, gunshots over there. Oh, I saw you know, Lee Harvey Oswald hanging out with this dude and whatever. And it's it's like a fever dream as it just pushes from one to the next. And, you know, is is the point to be difficult to track? Is it like you know, it, it feels like the the film embodiment of Charlie Kelly trying to figure out who is Pepe <laughs> Sylvia with, you know, yarn all over the uh, the corkboard. <laughs> 
But it, it, it feels more. like the narrative equivalent of like this manic obsessive like chase into something that's not even there because it it wasn't clear and i i think i'm usually like fairly able to like piece stuff together but i i feel like half of me wants to say that's intentional and half of me wants to say it's insane in his yeah. defense um he does address it to the court where he goes i know this is like hard to draw any conclusions from he's like because we aren't allowed to do a proper investigation he's like so it's gonna be all half measures and you know hypotheses because nothing can be proven because documents get burned and people get killed and he's like it every time you you pursue a route you get you know stopped by this whole idea of national security so i think being confusing is because it, it's not allowed to be not confusing because, you know, whether you believe it or not, it, there's a lot of stonewalling that occurs for whatever reason. But yep. at the same time, there's the scene where uh, the his buddy, the uh, was he an FBI agent or was he just a cop? Um, Which one? Uh, the, the one that says, like, this is bullshit. It was the mafia. I'm done here. It's just and a lawyer. Yeah, he was just a lawyer. A- a lawyer with a friend on the in one of the government organizations okay. he who goes tells like, him to, uh, to get out of it. Yeah, and he 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 kind of draws like one conspiracy theory I've heard where it was all the mafia, right? And um, he goes, "Well, they couldn't have done this, and they couldn't have done this." So they draw it, and they go, "Yeah, it was the mafia, and it was the CIA, and it was Fidel Castro." And you're like, "Jesus Christ." It's the conspiracy (laughs) omnibus. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, everyone hopped in the same train and all worked together. Pick one, pick one, please. It's the Noah's Ark of conspiracies. (laughs) Just get two of everything in here. (laughs) I think we're we're kind of touching on on the end here, but like I, uh, you know, spoiler alert. Like I think this is a good movie, but it's because I went in with a different lens. I whether it was his intent or not, I don't. I treated it as Oliver Stone wasn't trying to tell me that, you know, the JFK assassination was a conspiracy. I just went in as this is just another movie about that situation, using that as a framework to tell a story, whether it's true or not. And I think that makes it a more enjoyable movie uh, instead of trying to be convinced by the narrative that this is a, you know, a conspiracy. Well, I, I also <clears throat> go ahead, Mike. I, I guess I wasn't completely clear of why I'm annoyed. I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not. I'm on the same page as you, June. Like I went in watching a movie. Mm-hmm. What I got from it was somebody shoving a fucking fist down my throat, forcing <laughs> me to think of this as a stupid conspiracy. Along with, in my opinion, obviously, I'm I'm the outlier in the three of us, the four of us. Um, it just, I don't know if it was well made. That's a personal yeah. opinion, but I can go through the plot real quick so we can just get it out of the way. Go on ahead. Real, we, we can uh, talk about this some more in a minute, but go on ahead. Yeah, I'll follow up with my uh, note after you finish. So <clears throat> after we get to the point where now um, Garrison is going after um, this investigation with this conspiracy, uh, a couple of things are happening. He starts investigating some of the witnesses, and none of them really want to testify. I think I already kind of covered that. Uh, more importantly, as far as the plot goes of this film, outside of the actual assassination and conspiracies, after he meets with Mr. X, he 
starts to kind of have a falling out with his own family and some of his co-workers where it starts getting kind of deep in there as you're saying he kind of starts to give up now and then and then gets pulled back in uh to the point where it becomes uh public knowledge that garrison is is having this investigation and he's going after these strong people like uh uh clay uh shaw uh, as well as you know some of the higher up cia kind of people um so with the family thing he starts to also get threats from people who keep calling in and they're threatening his family they're 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 contacting his daughter and his wife even starts to say that he's become very disconnected and obsessed with this and they end up having a, a fight and she threatens to leave him as well to the point where garrison is kind of doubting himself as well uh boils to up to when bobby kennedy also is assassinated and at this point it does wonders for their relationship the wife's on board again they end up having assassination <laughs> sex and it continues to now the courtroom scene <laughs> where <laughs> I'm just going to drop that one and move on, Mike. <laughs> yeah, we're going through this quick. We're almost done. So then, uh, so after after that, he, he's in the courtroom now, and he's put together this elaborate um, testimony about how the CIA and the government and the FBI have been involved with this assassination and doing it for uh, personal, well, not personal gain, but for governmental gain, I guess. But uh, it's going to be uh, detrimental to the country as, as our fundamentals and morals go. Um, courtroom scene is him going through all of his witnesses that eventually agree to be you know brought in and all of them are very weak uh, in the form of like there's drug addicts and people who were you know not really able to have a good view of things but he kind of nails it at the end with it with a big breakdown a big speech um leading up to the to shaw's eventual um uh uh what do you call that acquittal you get acquittal right so he he he's 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 proven not guilty by the by the uh by his um jurors and at the end it has garrison with the 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 breakdown of his career afterwards he ended up going on to um run again for office and made office and you know what we talked about at the beginning where none of this has really come out yet it's still being held for the next now eight years, but then 75 years before this information would come out to the general public. The end. Um, God, can you imagine if those documents were released? It's just like, oh yeah, we killed them. <laughs> uh, Problem can solved. We, can we go back to uh, assassination sex for a moment? <laughs> uh, so that, I, I'm glad you like slipped that in there because it was very awkward and out of place. Like, it's very true. Yeah, it's, you know, and it's it's got the played out trope. I don't know if it was played out in the '90s, but the whole like husband's work, uh, he puts work over family and and all that, right? Hook <laughs> was in the '90s, right? Yeah, then it was played out in the '90s. <laughs> Relationship is in shambles, and then it takes the assassination of Robert Kennedy to reinvigorate this relationship with like <laughs> makeup sex what the fuck was that i don't know why it made the wife suddenly believe him robert kennedy getting shot somehow managed to convince his wife that he isn't crazy and she ends up falling she comes to the courtroom and like kind of watches the whole thing go down but it took it took his death another 
assassination of a Kennedy just to like make her believe that? Like, why was that a turning point for her? Yeah. What if she was like, <laughs> was "Oh so my obtuse. god, they're gonna kill us"? <laughs> <laughs> the whole scene was yeah. so weird, man. Yeah, um, it was like made to like make him more likable because you're seeing him ignore his kids, fucking interview some, you know, Clay Shaw on Easter and stuff like that. And I think they should have stuck with us being like, I don't know if I like Garrison. He's kind of an asshole, but well, he's I like what he's was. doing. He never like changed his ways. Like the wife got on board, but he's still ignoring his little son. Like never says anything to him <laughs> throughout the entire <laughs> film. Like even after Jasper. that. Jasper. Yeah. yeah. That poor kid's going to grow up with dad issues. 100%. Uh, on that scene, though, that was supposed to be like the uh, the invigoration that he needed that Garrison needed to win over the jury, right, is when his wife and child walk into the courtroom. That's <laughs> another kind of tropey again, but... Oh, Dad came to my game. <laughs> you know, that's all we needed, like, within all the publicity and stress or whatever, the family realizes, whatever, right? That's, that's it. We didn't need this weird, like, redemption through the assassination of Robert Kennedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel like the assassination of... Robert Kennedy could like have an important role in this movie and it was kind of just squandered. Um, Well, it wasn't, wasn't just the wife that showed up in the courtroom. Like 10 minutes later, the guy who also quit his, his, uh, Oh, that's right. And there's also the same exact eye contact he gave his wife. He gives to this guy as he walks in. Like, who, who's the bailiff that's just letting people in halfway through court sessions? I want to. I want to take us to um a, a bit earlier as well. This is just a tiny little note, but didn't anyone notice that the prisoners at the penitentiary were working with uh, sling blades, or some, <laughs> some call them Kaiser blades? blades. <laughs> <laughs> weird, I do, weird uh... thing to give to inmates, but. I really enjoyed um, Kevin Bacon's character, even though I had a hard time really like getting at how he was going to be involved. Like, I see how important he is, but at the same time, like viewing it from like rooting for Garrison in this, I'm like, it's you're going to get nothing here, bud. Not in the '60s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> I, I enjoyed yeah. Kevin Bacon's character, but I was like, everything he's saying is is going to be inadmissible. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I think- he plays the initial. Uh, he, I think he lays the initial framework because I think he kind of realizes it. Like a, he's a convict, and you mm-hmm. know, b, he's a homosexual in in that time frame. And now it's Garrison's kind of like, how am I going to, you know, substantiate his testimony? Yeah, I always have issues too with this idea that it's like. And this happens in every conspiracy from like aliens to Bigfoot to anything. There's always the anonymous government source, right? Yeah. That that knows everything and has all the keys to the kingdom, but won't because they're afraid for their safety. And I'm like, they met with someone and jeopardized their safety as is. Why did they not also give documents or do other things too? Like there's always the, the linchpin like insider that refuses to be known. You're referring to like just the, that movie trope of the insider just shows up 
tells some well, stuff. Like, here's, it's all hearsay and then bounces out and never testifies. The in difference court. is, is like the Snowden conspiracy. Snowden was the linchpin and he came forward with everything and blew it open, you know? Like, yeah, but real conspiracies in real life don't happen like that, you know? Like, like what yeah. I mean, the Snowden I guess thing, that's obviously. What, yeah, I, I guess that's why it's a conspiracy. Well, yeah. In the, in uh, the movies, it's like almost verbatim. You're, you're close. You're closer <laughs> than you think. Yeah. And, <laughs> he comes, you know, he's like, it's, I know everything you need, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I know, and it's like, he's like, well, I told you the story. You just have to prove it. Well, fuck, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Frodo, I could fly right. you to Mordor. We could drop the ring in, but the journey's the important part. <laughs> yeah. He's like, also, I uh, here's me. I have no credentials, but I promise you, I've seen some shit. <laughs> Yeah. It could have been some homeless dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was one. They got the they got the one. They got the guy up on the stand, and he was like, "Yeah, I saw them, and I saw the guys, the two guys, walk away." And then the 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 other jerk or the other um lawyer gets up the pros or the what's the other what's the opposite of prosecutor? I don't know lawyer terms. Defendant, the defense attorney. The defense attorney gets up and is like, "You're a heroin addict," and that's it. Like this dude's on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Next witness. So let, let's talk about the courtroom scene a little bit. So let me run through this. So he is charging uh, Clay Shaw with uh, conspiracy to kill John F. Kennedy, right? As being involved in the conspiracy. So he starts out with this, uh, this list of just bad witnesses, right? Uh, he's, you, you can tell he's definitely reaching, like he's gone for, he's gone for broke, right? He's brought in Willie O'Keefe. He's brought in guys who like say they saw Clay Shaw at a party with like uh, with um, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. And, Dave and Ferry. These are, yeah. And and then like the the linchpin witnesses are all dead. Right. Uh, David Ferry. That doesn't help. Jack Rudy, I think, is also dead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald is definitely dead. JFK is deadest of all. Um, and Most you know, dead. and so that doesn't go anywhere, right? Like the defense attorney just shoots them down one by one, and no one cares. And then he goes off on like this big highfalutin, like this is about liberty. He he extensively tries to disprove the theory that the Warren Commission came to. And you know, w- within the context of the evidence the movie presents, right? Like. This movie is going to present it fairly one-sided, but it's it's convincing within, you know, the confines of what we know from this movie, right? Right. But what the hell does that implicate Clay Shaw? Like, That's what I was thinking the entire time. I was like, because even the, the juror comes out and he goes, do we think there's a conspiracy to kill the president? Yeah. But to Clay Shaw? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's no evidence to prove that. So, yeah, he's it. He's <laughs> really true. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are like, that's a whole different issue. <laughs> you, you guys are absolutely uh, right but yeah i i wrote it off and uh, this is just me so i could get through the damn movie is <laughs> like he's really putting the u.s government on trial he just needs a physical person to actually go to court that's how i yeah. took it too he he must have known he was gonna lose at least the clay shaw thing but he needed a stand to megaphone from well that's that's the thing is i feel like for this to go anywhere he needs to actually, you know, convict someone, right? So the whole, as part of the trope, too, of, you know, uh, the the Mr. X saying, you need to start 
you know, stirring the pot and eventually people will start coming out and then like dominoes, it'll all fall apart. Right. But to do that, don't you need to like convict someone like this is this is his whole angle is he can actually go to trial. And the mistrust thing's so dumb. It's like some random government official coming to me and being like, you're close, Shane. The president's dirty. All you have to do is talk to him. Oh, thanks, bud. I'll get right on that. Except it's not a government official. It's someone who sends you a message on Facebook Messenger and says, meet me in Washington. Even if it is, is, he's talking to me who has no capacity to reach power like that. And he's like, you can do it. (laughs) Even though he's the one that can. It's just, it's so fucking frustrating, that trope. What it's more like is is me going up to random people claiming I work for the CIA and giving them zero credentials and then telling them some crazy fucked up shit and then having them go to the media. Just egg them like, on. Do, do you have any leads I could follow up on? No. No, I can't. I'll die. How do I know you work for the government? You don't. <laughs> you have to. I mean, I'll be honest. I'd, I'd blindly trust Donald Sutherland. <laughs> he was listening off coups. I didn't even know where coups. I had to like look him up. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so I have to confess for a second, I uh, mixed up Donald Sutherland with J.K. Simmons. Me too. Which, me which too. Which put me deep into the burn after reading uh, <laughs> right here, which I think is probably a more accurate, based on my, my interactions with the federal government, I think that one is probably the more accurate to how what, it functions. What did we learn? I don't fucking know. <laughs> not, not to do it again? I was, I, I was telling my wife, too, when we watched it, I was like, the anyone that's ever worked for a government organization or a government job and then talks to people who haven't, people who haven't worked underestimate the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Incompetence. The sheer fucking incompetence. <laughs> yeah. that, that can exist. The absolute <laughs> level of incompetence that can exist at every level is Probably greater than any conspiracy could yeah. ever put together. <laughs> and the overestimation of efficiency. Yeah, or yeah. like in a capability. <laughs> That's one thing that bothered me about this whole conspiracy theory that he was espousing is, okay, how many people have to be involved with this? At, at all levels. And not say yeah. a word. Even, even the janitor, yeah. you know. To get, you know, the CIA, the FBI, the White House, the Joint Chiefs of Staff... Uh, 700 Cubans, Northrop Grumman, Boeing, Lockheed, <laughs> like was, was Jim Garrison the only guy that didn't get invited to this party and he's just mad that he didn't get let in? <laughs> now, I will give an Oliver Stone's semi-defense here. He does kind of address that because they kind of say like, we can't even keep 12 people in this room to keep their mouth shut. How do you expect every organization? And he's like, oh, it was like this... Sm- you know, cloak and dagger meeting with like five people and no one actually directly went into it. I was like, but at some point there has to be someone that says kill him. And like, okay, there was a lot of orders that had to occur. that have to be on paper or have to be attributed to someone. You can't just everyone deaf touched it everywhere. And like spoken pseudo isms and like wink winks. You know what my conspiracy theory is, is that all conspiracy theories are just the government fucked up. They didn't have the guy there to set up the ro- the proper, you know, motorcade. The guy who was supposed to be setting up the, you know, the, the 
the snipers forgot that day. And it's more easy for the government to just be like, oh, yeah, let's let, let the public come up with a conspiracy theory about how we're behind all this thing instead of them knowing how fucking bad we are at keeping this country safe to begin with. <laughs> the conspiracy with. is is they framed Lee Harvey because they literally had no idea who did it. <laughs> yeah. Now that, I believe, that's what, what they, they call it Hanlon's razor, like Occam's razor. Did, yeah. uh, never attribute to malice what you could attribute to incompetence instead. Um, so the uh, on on the note of the witnesses, like I could buy if if all of this was true, I could buy that maybe two to three people potentially could get assassinated for agreeing to testify. Right. But there's no way in hell that that affects the fucking janitor that was in there eating a sandwich. Right. <laughs> you know, like, what is that guy? Why would he refuse to testify? You know what I'm you saying? Know, you know how many people the CIA has to kill if they got to kill all the janitors, too? Like, <laughs> God damn it. Right? And why and then, don't they step in and kill Garrison? Like, if they can yeah, kill the president that. of the United States, like, <laughs> why the district attorney's low ball. They already, like, framed him as, like, a drug addict. Like in that news report, like he does drugs and and all sorts of stuff. I was like, that's shut, open and shut. He ODs. Like <laughs> his wife even accused Garrison of when they're having their kind of falling out that Garrison's only going after Shaw because Garrison's like a homosexual bigot. Okay. Yeah. I didn't catch that one. I think that was one of the narratives to the like the real the story. Real story. Like, yeah, he's well, just you know yeah. The big thing about this film that I didn't cover in uh, the breakdown, but it is pretty important with the plot, is that the media has a lot to do with what the American public, and we know this as Americans now, I mean, it's pretty common knowledge, the media controls what we know and depends on what news sites are saying what, depends on their following, right? So the same thing back then in the 60s uh, was, was, was happening for Garrison. He's being accused of all sorts of slander and was only doing this for, you know, his own bigotry and, and whatnot. Right, he had no control of the narrative. You know, honestly, this, my belief is that he was just some crank potster. Um, I'll put my cards on the table. I think Jim Garrison is not the most reliable narrator overall. Let it be known of Jack's former ties to the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) Shane, will you testify? Fuck no, I'm going to get killed, man. (laughs) Um, they, got, they got to I fucking wanna... Kennedy. They could get to me. <laughs> I want to um, get your you guys' opinion from a filmmaking perspective. Uh, they went ham on the Zapruder film. Yes, they did. Oh, they showed it in shit. its entirety and then repeated, presumably for shock value, the actual mm-hmm. scene of Kennedy, uh, the bullet impacting Kennedy. Multiple times. His face falling apart. Yeah. I actually, when I I saw that scene, so I I had never seen that, then that, at least in that detail. Me neither. I went and looked up if they, if they did that for the, like if it was made up for the film, but it like, legit, legit footage. It was really, yeah. It's crazy. Honestly, it, it made me kind of sick to see it over and over and over. Right. Like they even showed like the autopsy and back and to the left. (laughs) Back. Yeah. To the left. Is, you know, from a shock perspective, I think that I I don't know. I, I have a hard time saying that it added to the film and kind of the the message. 
Well, I, th- um, I think this is where it's apparent that Oliver was trying to... I think he is really... Um, obviously, I think he really believes in this conspiracy theory, and I think that was his attempt to try to uh, woke the public into Kennedy's death 30 if years later. Oliver Stone is anything. It is a staunch advocate against the Vietnam War, which was kind of like, I feel like his whole... At least the director's linchpin in this movie was that the Vietnam War occurred because well, I guess, of the assassination. War <laughs> I guess. I guess what I'm saying what is he did. He didn't do that for anything that was going to help the film. He did that intentionally. This was his 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 love note to to you know this movie was he used this in three hour film for that last thirty minutes of just being like trying to convince the general well, public that this has been a conspiracy. You know, uh, so it's not I, I an unheard the, of tactic, though, in a courtroom yeah, to show something crazy well, yeah, awful. Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. That was a yeah, big I, fucking one. I, I feel like it's a tactic, right? Like you said, Shane. I think it, it kind of works on a meta level where it's it's a tactic in the, the trial and the the film in that like showing it over and over doesn't add much to either the trial or the film but it's shocking and that makes the point memorable i think additionally too from the the actual uh the the storytelling portion of this was i think it was executed very well because this is moments before he shows the film his his young child walks in to the courtroom (laughs) i I know what happens here do you want to watch this right and he stuttered like there, there's a there's a brief pause where he recognizes what's about to happen, and I th- I thought that was uh, it was powerful. It was it was well executed. Yeah, I felt like Oliver Stone was fisting this conspiracy theory down my throat even more. <laughs> Oliver Stone's movies always have a very forward message, a little on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, he doesn't try to hide it. I mean, if you talk to Oliver Stone, he'd be like, "Fucking right, that's what I'm trying to say." <laughs> so, so this is what's going. Go on ahead, June. Uh, I'm about to vastly change topic, so... So am I, so have at it. <laughs> okay. So I would like to posit to you a another um, plot summary. And this is from episode 17 and 18 of season 3 of Seinfeld. Oh, God. In a, <laughs> in a series called The Boyfriend. And I, again, first time seeing JFK, this made me appreciate that so much. So there's a scene... In JFK, where um, he's going over the the magic bullet theory, uh, there's a bunch of very well laid out uh, diagrams of the path of the single bullet and the uh, unlikelihood of of that shot happening. And uh, he picks two people to sit in chairs, mimicking Kennedy and uh, uh, what was that? The governor. Yeah. Yeah. Um and the person playing the governor is is Wayne Knight who yep. plays Newman in Seinfeld. <laughs> and in the scene in Seinfeld, he's they're going over the magic loogie <laughs> theory <laughs> and Jerry like almost word for word goes through the the the, <laughs> the path of a suspected loogie from Mets player Keith Hernandez. <laughs> And they had, you know, films. They they filmed a, a scene of them getting spit on in the oh, style right, of the Zapruder film. Like back into the left. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it is just really well done. I did not know that was a parody of of this film. It made me, and it, it was just like perfect that it was the same actor in both sequences. Oh man, I gotta watch it again because I knew that's what it was parodying, but I had never seen JFK, so I didn't get the full effect. Okay, so this is what I'm weighing right now, and you all can weigh in too uh, once I kind of talk about this. So I see right here. Um, I feel like. This could be two different films, right? One is kind of like Mike said, this is Oliver Stone's um, unapologetic, uh, in earnest presentation of this conspiracy uh, with Jim Garrison as sort of the prophet is too strong of a term, but sort of the the bringer of truth here, right? Mm -hmm. Flawed as he may be, uh, stymied and roadblocked, as he may be, he's he's exposing, if not the truth, he's exposing the lie, right? And the movie advocates for this in earnest, right? That's movie one. Movie two is sort of a a, a very subtle story about a lawyer who's like well intentioned, but trusts the wrong people, follows the wrong leads, draws the wrong conclusions, and like ultimately is you know, humiliated at the end when all of this work turns out to be false despite his best intentions, right? And I'm still trying to figure out which of these two movies this is. And honestly, you know, I you know, I I come to it watching thinking like this is a, a definitely misguided lawyer who is collecting the wrong evidence, who's chasing the wrong threads, who doesn't know when to give up on something insane. Uh but I'm not I'm not convinced that's that's what Oliver Stone intended this movie to be. And so I'm trying to figure it out because one movie is a lot better than the other in my mind, despite them having the exact same content and, you know, being identical. So I think it's important to note that this film was an adaptation of Jim Garrison's book. True. Right. And it has carries with it the inherent bias of Jim Garrison. Uh, yeah. I think I would I would go so far as to say it was you know just just a film exactly a film adaptation of Garrison's side of the story only. Um, I don't I, I would, obviously Oliver Stone you know we've already gone over his his methodologies uh, for to filmmaking, but I would say it's less that Oliver Stone wanted to expose to the public this you know like this is what happened. You guys need to believe me. I think he, you know, a lot of it. There, you know, there was obviously some entertainment value, and then oh, again, adding, you know, Jim Garrison's source material as the vehicle to that. Yeah, I think um, it's definitely presented in a way that, um, like you said, it's not to prove the truth as more to expose the lie. Obviously, in order to do that, you have to present a hypothesis of what happened, wrong or right. So I think and it, it depends how you feel about it, too. Um, this conspiracy above all others is kind of an interesting one because I feel like it's, other than maybe Roswell, it's the conspiracy. Like, it, it's the one that, <laughs> you all know them, the people that are just love conspiracies and follow them, this is like their intro. You know, this Good. is... This is this is the mother of all conspiracies, kind of, in modern day. 
And it's a weird one because I think a lot of it's a product of the time being in the sixties. Like if you had the internet and stuff, I, I don't know how that, how that would even flush out today, <laughs> but it would be, it would be so much worse. I, and I think it'll be interesting to see when in 2038 documents become revealed because if the same people that could burn the documents before, you think they just stored them and kicked that can to 2038 or just burned them now? Like, <laughs> Well, now, yeah. now we'll bring in some further trivia. So because of this movie, uh, they released a lot of the documents. I don't remember the exact year, but it was fairly close to the release of the film. Uh, the remainder of the documents, instead of 2039, it was actually supposed to be like 2017. And uh, President Trump did release a bunch of those documents, uh, but kept a few to be uh, withheld from release until 2021. So as of October of this year, from what I was reading, the remainder of those documents, should President Biden uh, agree to it, we might see the rest of them. I don't know what content is in there, but it was enough (laughs) for it to be delayed, you know, so we'll see. Interesting. I want to pose a thought to you guys. So, Shane, going off of what you're saying about this being the conspiracy theory, do you think that because of this film, uh, I mean, we're all products of the 90s. I was 89. You guys are 90s. We didn't, you know, you know, growing up after this film essentially was made. Could you say that this might have contributed to the fact that this is the conspiracy, right? Do people up until 91 before this film was made I think really so. give a crap as much so as, as when this film came out and really kind of brought this to light to a lot of people? Let's say people in you know, the 90s going to the cinemas and watching this would then start to be like, oh, wow, this is very convincing and start to call and fall, fall in line with this conspiracy theory um, with them. A- absolutely. Look at 9-11. Yeah. yeah. So um, I- I'm glad you mentioned this, Mike, because this is – Something I thought about, too, is I was talking just a few minutes ago about how uh, Jim Garrison just bombs in court and it's it's terrible. You know, he doesn't convince he doesn't convict Shaw. He seems like he goes on this weird grandstanding highfalutin talk about justice and democracy. So he he loses (laughs) at the end of this. But it's 2021 and we're talking about Jim Garrison's. (laughs) <laughs> theory about what happened to JFK that he postulated in court in 1967 or whatever. So did he really lose? It's oh. like the final twist of the knife. Well, even on on, on top of what I was saying is all of the so before I, I also have never seen this movie before. This is the first time I've seen this JFK. Uh, but all of the 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 theories and the conspiracies that I know about the JFK assassination were exactly what was presented to me in the film, um, like in in sequential order, essentially, from what I've heard throughout my life from other people, uh, you know, other stuff I've read. So I think a lot of this conspiracy was fed to me from people who had seen this film and then fed that to me, if that makes sense. You understand where I'm coming from? Where my understanding of this conspiracy was based off of essentially the like this this film's presentation to the people who told me about it. I'd say the question is is less about the conspiracy surrounding the assassination, I think people, you know, would have bought in to that at the time. But I guess I'm unsure if people knew who Jim Garrison was outside of, like, you know, Louisiana until his book, maybe, or this movie. No, I, and, 
I mean, the, the, what capitalized the conspiracy theory? What, what I'm asking is, do you guys think that this film helped capitalize this conspiracy theory, making it this number one conspiracy theory in this country, since it was a blockbuster film? Oh, no, film? it's the murder of a United States president. I but feel like it already really think was that, though, the... I think this film has to do a lot with why it's considered to be this, you know, such the number one American conspiracy, was because this film made it apparent. I mean, I think, you know, at, at minimum, hurt. this film was gas on the fire. Yeah, but I mean, it spurred legislation. I, I yeah. bet you, up until '90s, I bet you a lot of people, besides you know, you, you know, the people who were anti-Vietnam, which was a lot of people, granted, but I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that this film came out. Personally, I think that's why this conspiracy theory is considered number one. Hmm. I have an issue with the actual conspiracy. If we get to start on that, oh god! No, 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 no! no. I, it's not a bad one. Uh, so. Where I kind of, <laughs> the problem so I have <laughs> with what Jim Garrison presents, right, is he leads you down a path that you go, okay, 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 and then you hit a mark where you go, wait a goddamn second. And the mark that always hits me is they go, that shot was 88 yards away with a rifle with a scope. There's no way he could have hit that. No, wait, wait a goddamn second. 88 yards with a rifle is not that far. Yeah, but it wasn't mostly that. It was the fact that they kind of said Oswald was a shit shot, and they kind of like they were really dogging on Oswald. Which, on according his to Arlie Ermey, he was not in Full Metal Jacket. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that other famous documentary. Um, That's the part of the conspiracy that always gets me. Now, maybe the cycling of the rounds at a certain yeah. speed. Is where you can get me, but when they're like, "That's a hell of a shot at eighty-eight yards," like, and there was a tree in the way, that? and foliage, and there was a whole bunch of shit. They did you watch the <laughs> film? It's <laughs> also with a nineteen-thirties Carcano. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's an hour about how this was a bad shot. Oh, on that know. note, so they went up to the book depository and they were just pointing this rifle down around the street. That <laughs> would not fly in 2021. <laughs> Especially on the same site where somebody got shot three years prior. Yeah, oh, I know. he's aiming it at cars and dry firing it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. one person on the street was just like, "Oh my god!" Also, if you're the manufacturer of the Carcano, I take offense. <laughs> it's yeah. a damn good rifle. <laughs> Is it a flawed scope though? That was another thing they brought up. They never said what the scope was flawed with though. I think it was the zero. I think it's, they were saying that the zero was off or something like that. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would. Po- I want to posit an alternate theory. Um, first of all, I want to say to reinforce to Mike that you should be mad at Jim Garrison, not Oliver Stone. <laughs> True. Um, I'll be mad I, at who I want to be mad at. <laughs> that, that, we didn't that have goddamn to watch, Oliver Stone. <laughs> we didn't have to watch Jim Garrison's movie. I'll put it that way. <laughs> How about I the don't fuck think the people during the era where like he's at the shooting range and he's shooting at some guy's target and he's like, "Why are you shooting at my target? I paid twenty five cents for it." And he's just like, "Oh, I sorry. I thought it was that goddamn Kennedy." And like everybody's like, like high five and like it could have been anybody at that point killing Kennedy. I was about to say I I, I could go to a few gun ranges and make a. A political joke that would probably hit as well as that one did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anything to own the libs, right? <laughs> so, uh, my alternate theory was that, and you guys touched on this. You mentioned that you know his uh, Garrison's. Um, I don't know what do you call that. His his like speech at the end just fell apart. Mm-hmm. I almost want to say that that was intentional because there's a point where you know he starts his final speech to the jury. 
and it is like inspirational like he's bringing in all these you know quotes and shit and and i'd say it's for his case it's pretty tight and the moment it falls apart the music stops and it gets super awkward and then you start to see the courtroom's reaction like eye rolls and stuff like that but i thought I don't think the the music stopping was a coincidence because, you you know, you get that John Williams flair during his Uh like, yes, like this is inspirational, patriotic, all this. And then it just stops as he goes on this diatribe about like random shit. It was the goddamn aliens. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to say that that was intentional. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one piece of evidence in the this is the arc of a flawed man. But yeah. I don't know. Um, what did June? What did you think about the um, the actual like filter throughout this film? Because I I couldn't stand it. The colors were rough for me. Yeah, it's. I mean, it wasn't enough to like take me out of it. But I mean, I don't know that it was a like it benefited from it. It, it felt like a they just distilled late nineteen sixties and just poured it over all of the the film reels. About yeah. when they were intentionally kind of making, um, I don't know what you say, like, oh, like, during the era, kind of flashbacks. So all the flashbacks where they're going through uh, the, the three years prior while, while Garrison's doing the investigation. It's always in black and white, right? So it has them like, you know. But then when they're actually showing the real footage, um, the historical footage, they put they did it in color. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that stylistic decision was made because, but oh, at, at the same vein, the like, flashbacks, yeah. Both of uh, like both types of filming existed at the time and were widely used. So I think, I think that was less uh, like yeah. I don't know. I, it, it it was good in the sense that you couldn't necessarily tell what was actual footage and what was movie footage. I think that kind of played to the movie's favor, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Maybe they well, did and- intentionally to try to like trip you up a little bit so that you did have that feeling of oh, is this real or is this fake? Maybe. Tommy Lee Jones killed Kennedy. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> the, the ultimate method actor. <laughs> um, I so they did. Now that you brought it up, the flashbacks with the Lee Harvey are always in black and white, but not all of Tommy Lee's flashbacks were in black and white. Especially the one where he's getting like spanked as a god or whatever the hell it was. Where he painted up and got spanked by Joe Pesci. Yeah, like I said, both types of film like existed, so I don't think it was mm-hmm. any kind of anachronism. Um, were they all? Were they? Well, all four of those people supposed to be uh, gay in this film, or in, in not in this film, in history, were, were they all considered to be a part of? I think they. Like, I don't know. I, I think that was Shaw like being kinda... rich and just paying people. I think that, Shaw that was a big. That was a big part of the case, right? Was that. There was evidence uh, of like fil- like uh, photos of Shaw paying people to have sex with him. And then they were destroyed or whatever. But like Joe Pesci's character didn't. I didn't think he came across as like always. Willie, the the inmate, he obviously was involved with that. Mm. But why was Joe Pesci there during the? the I think he the orgy? was too. Yeah, he was there during the orgy. Yeah, um, that's just all drawn upon because at the time it would have been considered as compromising. I guess yeah. there was a lot of point. The the point of is that there was a lot of points during this film that I didn't follow very well. Like, didn't make sense to me why they was in there. It's hard to tell, too, because, it, you know, this, this was made in the 90s, and yeah. it was reaching back to a time when it was even worse for, you know. Yeah, it was... So, 
it's yeah. hard to tell the lens, like what lens was was taken. I think it would have been a little bit different of a narrative had that movie, had this movie been made today. Oh, that's a good point. So back then it was more of a shock for the film itself, but now we're kind of glossing over it because we don't care anymore. I just could be. The, the problem I have with this whole thing is it, both Garrison and I think Oliver Stone kind of draw this line where they paint the CIA as the most incompetent organization and the most dangerous organization. Like, oh, they couldn't kill Castro and they couldn't do this, but they killed Kennedy and then they covered it up for the next 30 years. It's like they're incompetent. The conspiracy requires that they're incompetent when they need to be and they're extraordinarily competent when they need to be. Like they can just kill anybody anywhere quietly and never have any ties. But at the same time, they couldn't kill Castro. They couldn't get the Bay of Pigs done. They couldn't get Nam right. You know, like it's – it was tough. I mean, that's kind of conspiracy theories for you, right? Like it, it depends on the government and most of them being both extraordinarily competent and extraordinarily incompetent too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the going back to Joe Pesci, there's like three separate times in this movie where people are asked to describe Joe Pesci and they're like, oh, he's a strange looking man. <laughs> he's just super ugly. Oh, like, that Jesus. ugly fuck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> damn. Like, Can you imagine the casting director? He's reading the script and he's like, okay, okay, I know exactly who I'm going to cast as this. <laughs> poor poor <Great>. Joe Pesci. <laughs> was anybody else surprised when it turned out that that was a wig he was wearing the whole time? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, it all makes sense. I was like, man, that hair is so bad that i didn't want to take <laughs> shane's talking points um but yeah so when i, I realized oh yeah it, it's just a way it, it all the pieces are coming together the the thread is pulled the sweater is unraveling the real the real conspiracy is solved the deck of cards has fallen <laughs> yeah um, i knew it it was a wig is there anything I, else you all want to cover before we talk about uh whether stuff? we think who killed JFK? Uh, we, I, I think we will come to I, I think we do need to ask that question, but we'll, we'll save it for the end. All right. Go for it, Jack. So, you know, just to... so Okay, so to kind of round this out and talk about the movie overall. So we've talked about how this is an all-star cast in every role, even the, the minor roles. Um, it was a box office hit it made 205 million on 40 million um it was Ooh. fairly controversial because of the the content of it and the conspiracy theory but i think most critics found it to be like well acted and executed so it was nominated for eight oscars or yeah eight oscars one two for film editing and photography um nominated for best picture director and actor in a supporting role so like well regarded i think and actually, the uh, um, the uh, this was cited by the government as um, one of the causes for looking further into the the JFK assassination. I think everyone in the government who was committees and everything said this movie was pretty much fictional. But I think there there were some sort of changing tides in how this was thought of. Um, I, I think the working theory now, maybe not you know, in contrast with the Warren report is that there was some kind of conspiracy involved, but it certainly does not go to the lengths that um, this film does. 
<laughs> and uh, so, yeah, um, I guess, you know, final question for all of us. After watching got, this movie, go for sorry. it. I got, I got some production trivia um, yeah. that I think is stupid uh, <laughs> or like unnecessary. So there were a lot of scenes that were filmed on location of the real incidents. So when Jack Ruby kills uh, Oswald in the film, it was filmed in the actual basement where that happened. The uh, uh, that the prison scene was like the real prison with the real guards and the real inmates. Um, there was a lot of uh, of shit like this that really I think was over the top and like who who cares, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that scene seems like kind of a who cares. I I, I could get filming in like Dallas. As they right. they look around, because why replicate that when you have the real yeah. thing? Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but um, okay. On the same vein, though, like the actual plaza where the shooting happened, it cost them four million dollars to make it look like 1963. <laughs> <laughs> it's ten percent of their budget. <laughs> you know what I just realized? So. Just because you brought that up about that being filmed in the actual basement, obviously they used um, all the scenes that had Oswald. They were filmed with um, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, right? So during the um, during the part where they're talking about how like the Times Magazine or was it whatever the magazine was, where they he's talking about how his his face was superimposed onto somebody else's body. Yeah, that means this film superimposed Gary Oldman's face onto the picture that was superimposed of Oswald. Whoa, that's meta. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. That breaks uh, that evidence completely. Because we, obviously if, we're going to see that they superimposed his face. You mean Gary Oldman didn't do it? <laughs> if Mike suddenly disconnects from this cast, we'll, we'll know why. He knows too is, much. Is, is Gary Oldman just a fall guy for the fall guy? We need to get Mike to an undisclosed location quick. <laughs> um. All right, so... Final verdict, everyone. I think everyone everyone here needs to answer this question. If JFK was directed by Wes Anderson, who would you cast to play Jim Garrison? <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeff Goldblum. Hundred <laughs> percent. It'd have to be Edward Norton. No, Edward Norton would have to be Oswald. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson would be the defense attorney. Like he's a heroin addict, man. Come on. Wow. No, we we really need to get to a Wes Anderson film quick, <laughs> so that we can recast Wes Anderson with Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, but in in all seriousness, um, after oh. watching this movie and having done any reading you have, do you think Lee Harvey Oswald killed JFK? This is big. I mean, there's a lot of people listening. Who goes first? I'll go first. Uh, yeah, I think I think Oswald did it, but I think what actually happened was there were two people. I think Oswald was involved, but additionally, there was another person on the grassy knoll. However, they had no idea both of them had planned to be there at the same day, and it was just a con- or you know, it was just a, uh, <laughs> a, a nice coincidence. coincidence. Now this is a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> With Bill Murray's on the grassy knoll. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go next. Um, I think I think it was Lee Harvey Oswald, but I don't think he acted alone. I don't think that it means there was necessarily another shooter. 
But I, I think, you know, it was not a one-man operation. But I am compelled by the idea that someone tossed out earlier that Lee Harvey Oswald was just picked because they couldn't figure out who it actually was. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that aligns that's presented, with the... That... <laughs> that that fits with the burn after reading theory of federal <laughs> government. All their resources went into covering up their mistake rather than. <laughs> um, All right. I guess I'll go next. The problem is if I didn't know about like the Iran Contra and like the CIA smuggling cocaine into Miami and like all these other conspiracies that were proven. Just J. Edgar I, Hoover as a person. Yeah. Right. I was like. <laughs> But the problem is, those are known. Those are, those are obvious. This one still isn't, which leads me to believe that there probably was a conspiracy, as in more than one person involved. But does it go to the highest levels? Not directly. Like you can't prove that anyway. Yeah. The the fundamental theorem of if the government knows something, it will leak. Oh yeah, I I now now that this is been prescribed i buy into that he was a patsy but not because he did anything it's because the government didn't know who the fuck did it <laughs> they just generated a patsy <laughs> june um as as it stands uh I'll, I'll lean with the status quo of of oswald did it um doesn't necessarily mean i'm not open to alternate theories what i would like to see and or research into is kind of a a, a, a buy list uh, ref- refutings of mm. the conspiracies, you know, like because like the moon landing, you know, there's like oh the shadows are are a certain way or something, and, and then somebody's like the moon surface is super reflective, you know, like why yeah. was the flag windy? It's it, it actually was not, you know. I'd like mm-hmm. to see something along the lines of that because like there are obviously some questionable things, specifically with the ballistics that i i you know i'm not too quick to to believe you know the the back into the left versus the angle of the wind you know shit like that i just I, i'd be open to seeing you know this is an explanation for this and so forth before you know i'm i'm leaning one way or the other keep in mind that this is the 60s right i mean like the technology to investigate a crime scene like that wasn't as advanced as advanced as it is now. So there's there's room for error. Um, right. and there's definitely a- absolutely. room for speculation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah chain, I agree. chain of custody and things too is could be sketched back then too. The the whole magic bullet thing was one thing that like they they have refuted it in the sense of like, yes, it seems odd that a bullet has traveled in this trajectory, but there's I mean, even watching the video footage, people are moving around so quickly. You don't know where ricochets are happening. Bullets are known to enter bodies and change trajectory within the body due to glancing off bones or, you know, muscle and coming out different angles. So so this is what the follow-up uh, investigation by the, the House of Representatives decided is that uh, their conclusion in 1979 was that Lee Harvey Oswald did fire three shots and killed the president with the third shot. Um, that it was highly probable, based on scientific acoustical evidence, that at least two gunmen fired at the president. Um, it doesn't. That's not precluded by other scientific evidence, and, and you know the, the evidence precludes other conspiracy theories. Uh, there was likely a conspiracy involved, in the sense that you know multiple people are involved in this, but uh, 
it does not it they concluded that it was not the Soviet government, the Cuban government, or anti-Castro Cuban groups. Um they concluded it was not the mob and not the Secret Service, FBI, or CIA. Um and that Kennedy was not adequately protected. Um and that, you know, various organizations were varying degrees of competent in their uh, actions, but they uh, acted in good faith. So that's that's what the more recent reinvestigation into it concluded. So from the triangulation of bullshit. <laughs> well, we'll revisit this in October when the rest of the documents come out. Hopefully this podcast gets edited and released by then. <laughs> yeah, that'll make for an awkward moment if, if the, the bombshell truth comes we're, out. Yeah, it's like JFK was killed by the CIA, Lyndon Johnson, and we're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll we talk can, to uh, the president and say to delay the release of the documents until this episode airs. <laughs> Yeah. We'll tell him we're close. He just needs to keep digging. <laughs> All right. So now the the real verdict of how do you rank this movie among the movies you've seen? Uh, so this is our thirty fourth film that we've watched. June, where do you put it? Uh, like I said before, I I like the movie as as a movie, but I wasn't like real impressed by it. I think I'm going to throw it at number twenty five. Between Rosemary's Baby and The Straight Story. Ooh. Okay. Shane, where do you put it? Man, I I really, really, really liked this movie. I liked the acting. I, I was into it. And I freaking got done with it. And I went to my wife and I was like, they did it. They killed him. <laughs> it does a good job at like swaying you to its side, which it's supposed to do. It's a movie. Um, so in all in all, I'm going to put it at uh, number seven, just over Rio Bravo. Wow. I really like this that's, film. I'd watch it again. That's a, that's a spread. That's uh, unusual for, yeah. for you two. Yeah, June and I usually are pretty pretty close on that one, but not, not today. All right, Mike, now's your chance. Don't hold back. Number one. I won't hold back. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I put this at uh, number 27. Okay, I liked uh, I liked Nightmare Before Christmas more than this movie. <laughs> but you liked it more than Wizard of Oz. Well, yeah. yeah. But come on, yeah. come on, <laughs> come on. One's a real story, and one isn't. <laughs> you know. Okay, so I'm I'm going back and forth on this, and, and like I said, there's there's a, a version of this which is really good, and a version of it is not very good, and you know you I can't think fundamental- this one. <laughs> first half number one second half number two uh, no uh and you know i i think this was well acted this is a well executed movie that is it, it's just a question of whether the the substance is good or not like whether the story is good i'm just not convinced it is and it's not a terrible movie but it's it's not great i think i'm gonna put it at number 17 Behind Rain Man, ahead of Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf, all right, um, which I think is dead middle of the pack for me. And final verdict: Do you recommend? Would you recommend watching it, June? I, I actually do. 
From the film's perspective, it's just really kind of boring at the beginning, like the first hour. No, there's no reason for this to be three hours, but yeah, uh, by the end of it, it's it, it's pretty enthralling and uh, it's thought provoking as well. I think uh, it, it it'll at least spur you to kind of look up a Wikipedia article or two, you know. So I recommend it. Shane, yeah, absolutely. There was a couple times where I even caught myself where they're like. Uh, we just got news about David Ferry. I'm like, he's dead. They smoked him. Like, you know, I was, I was involved. I was, it kept me in it three hours. Yeah. It needs to be chopped down to like two, but you know, watch it one half and then watch it the other half. It's a great movie. I, yeah. Mike, not even two hours. Chop the shit down to a 15 minute YouTube video that has to do with drunk <laughs> history. And then I'm in by Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't watch it. I, I would honestly say you can pass on this one. Um, I thought it was entertaining, but I, I, I don't feel like it. It brought that much to the table. Ironically, this is our widest shot group for movies. Uh, I'm cutting that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> now it can't be cut. <laughs> oh, you want to bet? <laughs> uh, you know, some people say there's a there's a fifth reviewer from the grassy knoll. <laughs> See, that was funny. Now it can stay. Uh, um, <laughs> well, thanks for joining us for episode thirty four. And speaking of the the first John Williams soundtrack we're actually moving on to another uh next time with jaws which should be a pretty fun one it's actually my first time watching jaws so really yeah wait what yeah. wait this is your first time watching jaws yeah and it's been so long since i've seen it it might as well be for me too same oh so you don't even know if there's a thing about the shark's eyes okay bye oh, come <laughs> <All> on <right. laughs>